Welcome back to Pro Football Network's premier fantasy football podcast. It is Wednesday, April 27th, 2022. I'm your host, BJ Rudell. With me, as always, is PFN fantasy analyst Jason Katz, better known as Katz. Katz, how are you today on the eve of the 2022 NFL Draft? I'm excited, but not for the reason you think. Most people are excited about the draft itself. And don't get me wrong. I always get excited about the draft because first and foremost, I'm a fantasy football player. And I like to know where these guys are so I can start digging into who I like for the upcoming season. But I'm really excited for this speculation to just end. And all this talk about where these guys might go and how they might do, it'll be over, which is ironic because that's exactly what we're doing today. Yeah, I hear you. It's uh, it's kind of like giving out birthday gifts to your family where you don't really care who gets what. You just want them to be happy. Am I right? That's, uh, that's the best analogy I can come up with. Uh, Cats, uh, for all of you listening, we're going to be talking about a few receivers today, uh, specifically wideouts, not the tight end variety, uh, and figure out uh, potential fantasy value for those of you in Dynasty and those of you in Redraft who are thinking ahead. Also, potential ideal landing spots, because as we all know, uh, you get someone, uh, you know, a, a top flight receiver uh, buried behind two excellent starting receivers, that's going to impact their value immensely in the same way that you t- you put that same receiver on a team like the Falcons, uh, and suddenly they could be 1,200 yards, eight touchdowns. Um, so uh, with that in mind, uh, Katz, uh, we're going to start out with uh, one of the uh, uh, highest rated uh, going into this draft, which is Garrett Wilson. Uh, what are your thoughts on Wilson in terms of is he NFL ready to contribute day one? And if so, what kind of impact do you see him having if, let's say, he's a number two receiver on a team that drafts him? I think you hit it right there with the number two receiver. That is what I see out of Garrett Wilson. Uh, I know that may come across as like a negative, me saying that I don't think he can be a wide receiver one, but Wilson is just a really, really solid prospect. That's the way I would describe him. Uh, Three years at Ohio State, he's an early declare. We love to see that. Good athleticism. Uh, ran a 4-3-8-40 time, and he is just he has a very, very high floor. I think out of every receiver in this class, he is the least likely to bust. And we know there are a lot of guys in this class that are good at football, but a handful of them that go in the first, second, third round, they're going to bust. It will happen. I'm supremely confident that one of those guys won't be Garrett Wilson. How well he produces early on, well, it depends on where he ends up. Uh, one thing that I came across on Twitter today, I want to give a shout out to Addison Hayes at DLF because he put together this this chart here. It's of uh, teams and what players they had visits with by position. And it gives you a good idea of what teams are looking at what players. So at the wide receiver position, the teams that hosted the most wide receiver visits, we had the Chiefs with eight, the Jets, Packers, Steelers, and Titans with seven. And then we had the Bears, Bengals, and Vikings with six. Uh, So these are the teams you're probably looking at to draft at least one of these uh, these wide receiver rookies entering this this draft. And we're hoping that Garrett Wilson can land somewhere where he can produce right away, where he can start right away. I know you mentioned it in in the opening. Atlanta is, of course, one of those prime spots. They currently don't have any wide receivers. At this point, I believe that they're a true wide receiver, one, two, and three. None of them are on the team. I believe Olamide Zahias is at the top of their depth chart. Maybe if you want to consider Cordero Patterson a wide receiver, then he would be there. 
So if if Garrett Wilson or any of these rookies lands in Atlanta, they are going to start right away. Uh, some other options, of course, Green Bay. I like Al Mazard. He's a very good receiver, but he is not a true wide receiver one. I'm not even sure he should be a wide receiver two, but regardless, whoever they draft, if they do finally spend high draft capital on a receiver, that guy will have a great chance to, to start because he will definitely be better than Randall Cobb or Amari Rogers or Juwan Winfrey. Uh, dare I mention Sammy Watkins, but he's probably the worst of the bunch. Uh, there are several spots that Wilson could land where he could start right away, and I'm very excited to see what he can do as a rookie and obviously beyond that as well. Yeah, this is uh, it's an interesting situation that we have. We don't have in this class, and correct me if I'm wrong, Katz, but we don't seem to have the kind of fantasy breakout receiver in this year's uh, class. This is uh, There's some very good wideouts who could develop into very good receivers, um, but we're not going to see a, you know, Justin Jefferson necessarily for circa 2020 or Jamar Chase circa 2021. There's not this, you know, idea of a breakout. And so it raises the question of whether Garrett Wilson is someone who um, presumably with, you know, the highest floor, one of the highest floors, uh, can he be a, you know, a WR3? I think a WR3 is a realistic goal for someone like him if he's the number two option on a team, there's going to be some growing pains as there often is with receivers. I think we've been spoiled in recent years uh, with some true breakout talent, uh, but that's not always how it works. And there's a lot of good young receivers. In fact, the, the receiving core that's starting these days in the NFL um, is jam packed with 20 something year olds. Uh, there's very few guys 30 and older who are starting at receiver in the NFL. Um, which is unusual given the recent history. If you go back 20, 25 years, that's highly unusual. And so I think there's a lot, there's a big bottleneck of youth uh, that's going to keep some of these otherwise talented guys from breaking out potentially in that first or second year. Speaking of potential bottlenecks, uh, is Drake London. What do you see out of him? Could he be better than Wilson in a, from a fantasy perspective? Where do you rank him in this uh, uh, draft class? Uh, also like Drake London, he's a tremendous prospect. We have some really, really early production from him. I mean, this guy was putting up numbers at 18 years old at USC. He declared for the draft after his junior season. He is, he will, he doesn't turn 21 yet. I mean, he'll be 21 this season, but right now he's not 21 years old. He has so much, uh, he, can, he has so much in front of him in terms of his career. Uh, a lot of growing he can do, but he's already, uh, a very, very polished prospect. Now, he, here's the thing with Drake London, though. He is in that group where it would not shock me if he ended up being one of the busts more so than, than uh, Garrett Wilson. I don't think it will be Drake London. I think he's very talented. Uh, but there there are some concerns. Uh, his, he, he, didn't, he didn't run uh, at the Combine. He didn't run in his pro day. So his, uh, his athleticism is a bit of a, a black box. We're not really sure. And we know that that, that matters. Uh, but... Uh, London is definitely a prospect capable of stepping in and producing right away. And I do think he's one of the few in this class that could be a true wide receiver one in the right situation. So where do we want him to go? Uh, love to see him land in Green Bay. Don't think that's going to happen. He's going to go too early. Uh, he's, I think he's, def he's definitely a first-round pick. I don't think he'll be the first receiver off the board, but there were talks of him going to the Jets, depending on whether they trade that pick for Debo Samuel. We don't know yet. Uh, if London ends up in the with the Jets, I, I don't love that because I, I'm not exactly sure why the Jets 
are so invested in drafting another wide receiver. They just took Elijah Moore, who certainly proved capable of being a starting receiver in the NFL as a rookie. They still have Corey Davis. Uh, they re-signed Braxton Berrios. I think that's perfectly fine. I get that they want this like true alpha-type receiver, and they may not view Elijah Moore that way. But it, it seems like it could be a crowded receiver room. Um, I'm worried that because of how highly London will be drafted, that he may end up somewhere that uh, where he doesn't have the greatest quarterback or he can't necessarily start and be an alpha right away. But regardless, I do think London has a very good chance of developing into a fantasy wide receiver too as early as 2023. I wonder, to your point with the Jets, I wonder if some teams look at what the Bengals have, look at what the Rams have, where you can never have too many good receivers or great receivers. And I wonder if the Jets are sitting there thinking, um, do we want, you know, as as, as uh, interesting as Berrios became when uh, he needed to play big minutes, um, there's a big question mark surrounding whether he and Corey Davis can stay, you know, stay healthy, specifically Corey Davis, um, and where that leads the Jets and, and whether or not, you, you, you know, the question is, can you have too many receivers? Well, if your third best is Berrios, I think you could use one more. In my opinion, maybe that's a knock on Berrios. It's not fair. Uh, but I think if they have a chance to snag someone, um, you know, in the first round or early second round in this class, I think it, it could be a smart move. I could also see, for example, Carolina, um, although they might be a bad example, uh, uh, maybe, maybe even the Saints. Um, uh, but let's stick with Carolina. I could see them going two receivers, you know, in the first three rounds and basically just say, we're starting from scratch. Look what the Bengals did. Um, they started from scratch and they struck gold. Let's try to mirror that, you know, and, and pair, you know, basically do what we can to, to create from within over the next two to three years. Um, but, uh, you know, I'm on the uh, Pro Football Network uh, draft, mock draft simulator. Those of you who have not tried it, um, you have about, uh, as of recording this, a little over 24 hours uh, to use it at your leisure. Uh, I've been uh, uh, playing with it for some of today and actually much of the past uh, month. Uh, and it's very cool to kind of see where these players might end up. You can play your own GM and, you know, kind of uh, trade players if you'd like a certain team and figure out how that could play out. But right now, the latest draft simulator that I've done has Garrett Wilson going to the Giants in the first round. And then it's got uh, Drake London going to the Chiefs uh, with pick number 29, which would be interesting. And you talked even on Monday, Cats, about, you know, the Chiefs still have some pressure points. If you're relying on Miko Hardman and Juju Smith-Schuster from your end, there's some there there's a gap there that needs to be filled. And I understand that. Going between those two guys on the draft simulator is Chris Olave uh, going to the Patriots at number 21. What are your thoughts on, on Alave? And, and, you know, let's use the Patriots as an example because it's here on the PFM draft simulator of what came up. Do you think he could become a number one, even leapfrogging Devontae Parker? Or is he a number two, number three on that team his rookie year, even behind Jacoby Myers? Again, landing spot, of course, matters. And if he were to land on the Patriots, he would be their best receiver. But I do not view Chris Olave as a true wide receiver one at the NFL level. I think he is, is similar to Garrett Wilson in terms of um, like ceiling, where he's just going to be a, a very solid, reliable set of hands. I know that he might be viewed as more of a burner because he ran that 4-3-9, but I view him more as a guy that gets open and catches the ball. 
And I do think he is going to be more quarterback reliant than some of these other guys. I think he's going to win with raw athleticism. He's not going to be a contested catch, jump ball guy. You put him with someone like uh, like Aaron Rodgers on Green Bay, I think mean, that's a great fit. Of course, anyone's a great fit with Patrick Mahomes, and they certainly need a wide receiver one. I, I think they need. I think they would be better with someone like Drake London. But unfortunately, as much as the draft simulator may love hit that at twenty nine, Drake London's not falling to twenty nine. Um, maybe the Chiefs yeah. trade up. Who knows? But I, I don't think that's going to happen. Uh, Olave could possibly maybe land in Chicago, uh, reunite with Justin Fields. That is yeah, a distinct possibility. I think that'd be great in terms of the the narrative. But again, I do also view Darnell Mooney, I think you do too, as more of a wide receiver two. Miss Cass is a wide receiver one, which again, it's not a knock on these players. There's There are certainly plenty of talented wide receiver twos, but there's something about an alpha X receiver that that is just that is just different. And these teams want one of those. And I don't see Olave as that player. But again, this is still a very productive college player. He is a four-year player, which we don't love. Uh, but I, I don't want to, I don't, it's, it's tough because because he he produced at a young age, but yeah. he could have come out as a junior. He right. chose not. At the same time, well, he didn't come out after a junior season. And historically, we know that four-year players, especially from Power Five schools, uh, they their chances of succeeding at the NFL level are significantly lower. Uh, I I try not to knock Olave too much for that. I do think he's a good player, but it's something we need to take into consideration when doing our rookie dynasty drafts or even our, our redrafts, our redrafts in, uh, in August and September. And uh, just so everyone is aware, Katz is a big proponent of education. And so uh, he's not trying to say uh, leave school early. Um, uh, Alave, one of the things I, uh, uh, th- that caught my eye when I was researching him and some other players over the, over the spring, early spring, late winter, uh, was that he had 60 plus yards and or a touchdown in 26 straight games and 32 of his previous 33 there's he, he never really took a game off he was um uh always involved in the offense and i think that's one of the things that really intrigues me about him is that he is someone who can step into that role and be a consistent contributor not as much of a boom bust uh kind of option and i think that bodes well i think you nailed it cats with chicago I think that's a perfect solution. If 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 the Bears want to go in that direction, um, uh, you know, there's been some uh, weird buzz uh, from people who are not within the Bears organization uh, over the offseason, uh, uh, saying that uh, you know the the Bears might give up on Justin Fields uh, after this season. I think it's hogwash, and I think that uh, Darnell Mooney would be playing behind Van Jefferson if he played on the Rams. He would be the number five receiver. Um, you know, more or less. So it, it's, is, uh, it's hard to imagine the Bears receiving core being much worse than it is. I think Mooney is one of those guys where if you're in dynasty, you trade him immediately before the NFL draft because his stock will plummet in all likelihood. Um, but, uh, but I really like Alave going to the Bears. I like him reunited with Fields. I like him potentially being a true number one in that offense, even if he's more of a possession receiver, even if it's just more of a, you know, 80 catches for 900 yards, um, you know, he, but he can break it open. And so he, 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 for my money is one of these wild cards going into the draft. Well, I'll be excited to see where he ends up. Uh, Speaking of which, uh, because we are talking about receivers, uh, uh, Traylon Burks, 
uh, the last of these uh, of the of these top guys that that I want to talk about. Although there are other top guys, but in terms of who seems to be going early a lot in some of these simulations, uh, what are your thoughts on Traylon Burks, Cats? If you asked me this like four months ago, and this is again before I was super knowledgeable on these players because I don't really do a deep dive into any of these prospects until after the NFL season is over. But if you asked me in like January, February, I would have told you Traylon Burks, wide receiver one. He's can't miss best receiver in this class. And I think a lot of people felt that way. But as as I and many others have have looked more into him, I'm, I'm a little concerned. I don't, I'm not going to go out here and declare Traylon Burks as a bust. I'm not going to go call him the next Nikhil Harry, as I have certainly seen somewhere in the Twitterverse. But there, there are separation concerns. And as we've seen with players like Nikhil Harry, with players like J.J. Arcega-Whiteside, when you can't separate, that tends to be a problem at the NFL level. Uh, simply put, you got to get open. That's how you command targets. Um, it's what Traylon Burks he did do in college. I mean, he had a 31.3% college target share. He was commanding targets. He, he was productive. So that's, that's, that's not the issue here. Um, a lot of people were expecting him to run in the four fours. He ran a four five five. I don't overly weight that because as long as you're not like four seven slow, like four five five is fine. He doesn't need to be a burner. And of course, uh, people that rely more on, on film would say, listen, his game speed and what he, what he does on tape shows that he's certainly not slow. And I would tend to agree with that. Uh, but I don't think he is necessarily this A-plus, can't-miss prospect anymore. Uh, where he where he lands, again, it, it's going to matter. But ultimately, I think for him, it will come down to, is he good enough? And and we'll see. I, I, want, I would love to give you a strong opinion right now, but my initial strong opinion, I had to pull back on it based on new information. And right now, I, I'm, I'm really kind of just in wait-and-see mode on Traylon Burks. Yeah, when I was looking into Burks a couple months ago, one of the things that jumped out is really that question of um, uh, is he ready to, is he going to have the discipline in the workout room, like with his weight, other kind of uh, X factors that you don't necessarily see on the field, but play out on the field. He did have weight issues that impacted his speed uh, in college. Um, in the, uh, during combine training, he, I think you may have uh, written this cat said he, he was pushing past 230 pounds. Um, and you know, that's that I remember 10 years ago, Eddie Lacey, a very promising young running back for the Packers, um, was going to be their bell cow for years, uh, started battling weight issues and he was very quickly, uh, pulled out of the rotation. Um, and, uh, you know, within the span of about a year, year and a half, he was no longer the guy in green Bay. They tried to give him a shot and he just couldn't do it. And I think it is definitely a yellow flag when you've got a guy who is having trouble, uh, staying, uh, fit enough to be at the college level, let alone at the NFL level. Um, I, I think whoever takes him knows that they're taking someone um, maybe it's kind of like a, uh, you know, a glorified Preston Williams. It's somebody who has the skills. Um, uh, but the question becomes, is he going to flame out or is he going to be um, the guy who everyone believes he can be? Uh, and, and, and it's, you know, he's not, he, does, he has a much wider range of outcomes than someone like a Garrett Wilson. Um, uh, speaking of range of outcomes, uh, I'll ask you about Jamison Williams. Um, who, what kind of team is going to want to take someone with an L ACL tear who might not play um, even at full strength until the end of the, his rookie season? 
Um, uh, who, who basically, where could he be dangling in the first round, for example, where someone might snag him? Or, or is he not a first rounder from your standpoint? Uh, Jameson Williams is a very interesting prospect because there's no denying what he did at Alabama this year. 79 receptions, 1,572 yards, 15 touchdowns. I mean, this guy was just completely dominant at the same time. He had to leave Ohio State because he couldn't play ahead of guys like Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson. And that's that's concerned. But it's not like he went to some school where, where he, he left this Power 5 school, went to a small school, and just dominated against nobodies. He went to Alabama, and he immediately became their top guy. So there's something to be said about that. And he's clearly a talented player. Did tear the ACL, uh, which, is, which is really unfortunate. He's having a monster game. But he tore his ACL, which, which was in, I believe, January. That's going to create a very, very tight window for him to be ready for for opening day this season. In terms of redraft, I don't really see him being fantasy relevant. Typically, it takes guys a year. Uh, you want the year after the year they come back from their torn ACL. And for a, for a rookie, I mean, that's that's all. It's already uh, it's already somebody that you're typically going to wait to year two on anyway. Uh, but he may follow the path that we've seen from many rookies in, in the past few years where they don't do much their first half of their rookie year and they really come on strong in their second half. We saw that from Juju Smith-Schuster's rookie year. We saw that from Elijah Moore last year. So it's, just, it's happened uh, plenty of times in recent memory. Uh, but where he lands up, again, super important. And who, who will take a shot on him with that 20 ACL? I think that the ACL is not as much of a concern in the year 2022 as it may have been in the year 2012 because of the advancements in technology and science have come so far that ACLs, it's like Tommy John surgery in baseball. You just get, you get it. It's like, Oh, we know whatever he'll recover. He'll be fine. And I do think Jameson Williams will be fine. The question is, will he emerge into this uh, alpha wide receiver one, or is he going to just be another, another failed burner that we've seen in the first round so many times? I mean, we've seen guys like John Ross, uh, Kevin white, um, Henry Ruggs. These guys just, just flame out. I don't think right. that's Jameson Williams, but it's, it's definitely a concern, and it's something you need to at least keep in mind when looking at a prospect built like Jameson Williams at 6'1", 180 pounds. And you just picked three uh, 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 guys who uh, flamed out for very different reasons, right? I guess uh, with Ruggs, the, you know, the tragedy uh, that he incurred. and uh, I mean, uh, you, want, you, you can listen. Obviously, what happened with, with Ruggs in that situation yeah. is just terrible and tragic, but Ruggs was not – very good to begin with. He, I, I mean, I remember when he came out, I never liked him at all. I thought it was a terrible pick by the Raiders. I, I mean, I think I ranked him outside of my top 15 rookie receivers that year. Rookies alone. Okay. I just had no interest in Henry Ruggs at all. I, I, I liked Ruggs last year. I, I had him uh, higher, you know, better than his ADP by about 10, 15 spots. I thought he was, um, he was a solid number two receiver in that offense. Um, but, uh, but Kevin White, you know, injury was, I think John Ross is the true bust. Um, and that's, uh, a, you know, just somebody who um, the Bengals believed could play alongside A.J. Green and Tyler Boyd very quickly out, outperformed him and the rest is history. Uh, I think Ross's uh, catch percentage was somewhere around 30 percent or, you know, whatever, at, at least one of those seasons. Um, speaking of the Bengals, though, I could see a scenario where Jameson Williams goes to Cincinnati later in the first round. Um, the Bengals are looking ahead at, at Tyler Boyd uh, becoming a free agent in two years, but they also could cut him. I don't think it's a, a big knock on on uh, on their cap. I think it's maybe two million. Um, they could also try to trade Tyler Boyd. 
but I could see the Bengals or another team that's eyeing a shot at the Super Bowl um, taking a chance on someone who would give them an immediate boost in November or December. Um, you know, we saw even though Cam Akers didn't perform, uh, we saw what it meant to the Rams to have another body in the backfield at the perfect time when they needed somebody who was, you know, with fresh legs, essentially, even though he wasn't, you know, he was still not quite in game shape, we could tell. Um, there's still that that potential for Cincinnati to say, look, we have this asset in Tyler Boyd. He's solid, but we have a chance to perhaps get somebody longer term who, you know, if who gives us a big three like no other team. Um, and that that could be pretty appealing. Uh, and, and, you know, but I can't see, uh, you know, I can't see the Jets going Jameson Williams. I can't see a team that really needs help now um, taking a chance on somebody who may not even play at 90% is rookie year. Um, Cats, before we go, any other uh, guys you want to mention? Uh, yeah, there's a couple, couple quick hitters on some other guys that are going uh, possibly late first round, early second round. Uh, one guy that I'm a big fan of is Sky Moore out of Western Michigan. Uh, he is the exceedingly rare small school early declare. This guy played a non-Power 5 school and thought and thinks, and right, rightfully so, that he's good enough to enter the NFL now. And he'll probably be an early day two pick. And I think he's got a real chance to produce right away if he lands in the right spot. Another guy I want to talk about is George Pickens. I really like George Pickens. I like his talent profile. Uh, I like his production. I like him as this downfield threat jump ball specialist. But at the same time, I, I, I'm scared about that like Chase Claypool archetype where he just looks super athletic and he can't really uh, succeed on the, on the technical level. And there's also, he comes with a lot of off-the-field concerns. And we've seen recent reports that he may tumble down uh, into late day two. And if, if I mean, if he, doesn't, if he doesn't go on day two at all, that's probably a death sentence for him. But even if he does, there's I'm getting some Justin Blackman vibes, and I and you never want that. Uh, yeah. I think he's very talented, but I'm 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 worried that he just won't be able to put it all together. But I certainly hope he does. Yeah, and I think well, those are the main two guys. But um, but yeah, there's there's a lot a lot of rookies in this class that I think can end up being productive NFL players. There we could definitely see in this in this draft uh, someone going in the third or fourth round and filling an important need on there. There are enough receiver needy teams out there. Um, I counted about uh, uh, before uh, this podcast, what was it something like 17, 18 that could definitely use another receiver? Um, it's actually it's absurd like how many teams. What's that? Sorry. It's absurd how many teams actually need receivers in this class. I'm looking at a list right now of just teams and, and their current top three receivers. And I mean, just right off the bat, they're, they're, like you said, there are at least 10 teams that could draft a receiver who should start right away. Some yeah. teams, even two of them. And since so many teams nowadays are running three receiver sets, right. uh, we're talking about guys, the rookies that could be wide receiver threes immediately. Now, they may not be fantasy relevant as rookies, but these are guys that could play a 70% snap share right away. And is, there are a lot of spots for these wide receivers to go. And pivoting to the fantasy implications of that, we all, anyone out there who's listening, you know the deal over the last 20 years. We've seen uh, the the prototypical fantasy quarterback evolve from, you know, uh, Jake Plummer uh, to, you know, Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen and so on. Um, 
uh, these quarterbacks are putting up a lot more points uh, than they did 10, 20 years ago. Peyton Manning kind of broke the mold when he returned from his surgery in what was it, 2013? Um, and, you know, he hit it into 2014. And then uh, suddenly we started to see, you know, in, in Peyton Manning's case, he had four receivers. He had three wideouts and he had Julius Thomas at tight end. And in any given game, he was going to feed two or three of those guys big time. And that was a novel concept. Before that, traditionally, uh, in fantasy leagues, when you look at a team, you look at a number one um, and you hope that the number one gets you a thousand yards and like eight touchdowns. And then you look at the number two and you hope the number two is streamable. And that was a pretty typical team. Now you've got a lot more teams uh, that need to feed what it amounts to a much more pass friendly uh, set of offenses. Uh, the passing game is, is far beyond what it was 10, 20 years ago. So you need more receivers to accommodate that kind of volume that you're getting out of your quarterback and that kind of big playability that you're now getting out of your quarterbacks. So that's why even the Bills, um, we should not be surprised if the Bills uh, uh, draft uh, a receiver in the first three rounds. Um, you know, we think they're fine with Stefan Diggs and Gabriel Davis, uh, but maybe they're not. And the reality is, uh, if they want to compete at the highest level, having a good young third receiver might be a difference maker uh, because a lot of other teams that are competing at the final levels have that third great receiver. We see the Niners had, you know, Kittle, Ayuk, and Samuel, uh, and Juwan Jennings as a very capable number four receiving option. Uh, we saw that in Cincinnati. Um, you know, we saw, we've seen that with a lot of teams that that obviously with the Rams um, and obviously with the Chiefs. So look to some of these rich teams getting richer. Look at some of these teams that are already stacked get a guy because they know they need to feed that quarterback and they can't just rely on their top two guys. There's too much to spread around. Katz, I'll give you the last word. I know that there are plenty of other receivers in this class that we have not gotten to today. And rest assured, we will. We are going to be back in May discussing these rookies once they have landing spots. And then we'll have a much clearer view on what we ex can expect from them uh, in their rookie seasons and for their for the, at least the early part of their careers once we know where they're going to be playing. And I do, do think we're going to get a fair amount of fantasy-relevant wide receivers from this class. I don't think we're going to get anyone, like you, like you said earlier, Jamar Chase or Justin Jefferson level, but we could see uh, several wide receiver twos and wide receiver threes out of this class. Uh, so, and, and you need to look at it. Every draft class is different. Not every class can be 2014. I know that the 2014 class ruined everything because we had so many players from that class produce right away, especially as rookies, and go on to be successful players at the NFL level for a long time. But sometimes we, if you get a bunch of wide receiver twos and threes, if we get six or seven guys from this class that are wide receiver twos or threes in fantasy for the next decade, that's a huge win. And and, and I, I ho hope we get more than that. More points, better for everybody. <laughs> but uh, yeah, we'll, we'll be back to discuss uh, them further next week. Fantastic. Well, uh, on behalf of uh, Jason Katz, better known as Katz, again, it's BJ Rudell, Pro Football Network. Find us at profootballnetwork.com. Check out the draft simulator if you have not, or if you've done it 50 times, do it again. Um, it is enjoyable to see kind of where these players might shake out if you are a fan of football. That's what it's all about. We love at the escapism of the game of football. Uh, we love projecting where these guys might go on our favorite teams, or if we're in a dynasty league where some of these guys might end up that we feel is a perfect landing spot for what we want. 
Um, and most importantly, let's just have fun out there and, and enjoy tomorrow's draft. And we will see you tomorrow. Uh, we'll be back for another podcast tomorrow morning. In the meantime, on behalf of Pro Football Network, have a great day.